Hey, y'all, and welcome to Ain't No Such Thing, where we tell original Southern horror stories, and we talk about some of the cryptids you know and love. My name is Amanda, and I'm here with some folks, and we're going to talk about Falk. I've got Kevin Laporte. Hey, everybody. And Jessica Hines. Hey. And we're back. It's been a minute. It's been about six months since we did one of these episodes where we all sat down and just talked about some sort of Southern horror legend. Has it really been that long? Well, why the hell is that? Well... Let's start. Um, we can count on one hand. We took a direct hit from Hurricane Sally. The western eye wall went right through our front yard. Our neighborhood looked like a war zone. Yes. Yes, it did. It was pretty intense. Roofs were ripped off. We still got blue tarps on our neighbor's houses. We still got to get our roof replaced. We still got to get our privacy fence replaced. We still got to get our driveway fixed. It was that bad. Doesn't include the fact that our whole water main system had to be <laughs> fixed. That was one thing after another. And then we uh, got a visit from Hurricane Zeta a few weeks later. Not as bad for us, but still, it was a roundhouse punch after a, a big fat jab it from was, Sally. It was pretty traumatic after experiencing that. Yeah, we were without power for almost a week after one. and Not as bad after the other, but those things set us back. And we've been dealing with those things and trying to recover. We have pushed out a lot of story episodes during that time, so thank you, Amanda, for doing that. My pleasure. We've got a few more in the pipeline, too, so expect a few more of those from the people we know and love. And especially big thanks to Erica Heflin, our partner in all things, who stepped in and wrote a ton of really great stories to fill the gap while we got things back together. I, I did have one story in there. Two, actually, the the new Baptist story, The Hayride, uh, was the most recent, I believe. I so enjoyed that one. It was a lot of fun to write. And But we still have three or four in the hopper from Erica that we're going to be using over the next few weeks. And I have another Baptist story that I'm going to be working on, completely different than the others. So we have a lot coming up, and based on the results of a poll we posted in our Facebook group, if you're not a part of it, please join the Ain't No Such Thing Facebook group. Based on a poll we placed there, the feedback from the listeners is that they want more of these Legends episodes. So we're going to make that happen. Woohoo! More Legends! So you'll get to hear us talk more about Southern Legends, Southern Horror, Southern Ghosts, whatever we come up with a couple of times a month. That's our goal, and we're going to try to stick to that going forward. So now what was the last cryptid we touched on? Remember the skunk ape, the Alabama white thing? It was the Rougarou, wasn't it? It was the Rougarou was the last one that we talked about. It's been a very popular episode, that Rougarou episode. I loved the Rougarou. Well, that was Jess's return I to the Legends podcast. <laughs> and uh, that definitely wasn't a reason that we stopped doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, Jess is here. See y'all. <laughs> no. Peace out. But the, like we mentioned, the hurricanes, covid related delays in school opening just go down the list those things were a big part of our delays but that's where we were and we wanted to pick up where we left off if you go back to that Rougarou episode I'm 100% positive we mentioned that we were going to be talking about the Falk monster on the next podcast and here we are that was August this is the day before February starts and we're going to talk about the Falk monster just what's the Falk monster Bigfoot. It's Bigfoot. <laughs> it's just another Bigfoot. The distinction is that instead of being a skunk ape in Florida, 
or a Sasquatch in Washington State, it's in Arkansas. Yeehaw. Right down there next to the Texas border. It's a little town called Falk, Arkansas. And they've had Bigfoot sightings since before the early 1960s. We're dating back, pushing 70 years of Falk monster sightings. At one time it was referred to as the Jonesville monster. Later became the Falk monster as it rose to prominence in the media in in the region. But some sightings date back as far as the mid-1800s. So this isn't something that somebody came up with as a publicity stunt just in the 1950s or 60s when these sorts of things came to prominence in the media as monster movies came to prominence in the media. This thing's been around down there for a long time. So I suppose what really brought the, the Falk monster into the, uh, the public consciousness here is a movie, right? Not just any movie. The Legend of Boggy Creek. (laughs) What can I say about this film? Uh, What can't you say about this film? Now, I quite enjoyed this movie. It's it's presented as a very real uh, documentary, memoir type thing where they touch on uh, real townspeople. And I guess they, they actually had a hand in making it, the, the little town itself. Yeah, didn't they actually, like, act in it? Oh, yeah. And then, like, when you when you see the credits on this one, you've got the, the crab trees playing the older crab trees throughout history. And uh, it, it tickles me that at the beginning when they have scenes with old men talking that they just can't help smiling and kind of looking toward the camera. But it's... Uh, you can tell it's the most interesting thing that's happened there in a minute. It's definitely more docudrama than documentary, but I'm not sure it succeeds on either half of that. Well, they kind of forget their narrator through most of the movie, and then he shows back up to to talk about, uh, I'll remember the sound of the monster's cry, lonely <laughs> in the woods, and it'll remind me that there are unknown things out there. And curiously, the narrator who was supposed to be a little boy that grew up in Falk, has an accent that's nothing like the accent of the people that live there, who all have these thick, twangy southern accents that really don't exist where we live in one of the deepest parts of the South. They are thick as hell. In the southernest part of Alabama. <laughs> my favorite thing said in this movie is the woman hollering about, see, here's my country. She's hollering about, she says, what kind of a place is this where there's a panther living under the porch? <laughs> <laughs> Which could just be anywhere out in the woods. I mean, it could. I'm sure I've heard that uttered around me at one point or another in my lifetime. It's not that exclusive uh, if you live out in the hills. Well, maybe he doesn't have an accent because he got the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> maybe so, but I think you're giving way too much production credit to the people <laughs> that made this movie. It reminded me a little bit of the Waltons with the narration. <laughs> Maybe that's what they were going for. Maybe so. Maybe it's sort of a Walton's feel. The, the movie was directed and produced by a guy named Charles B. Pierce, uh, released in 1972. So even I was only you know, nearly two years old at this point. But you oh. were too. I was. I was around then. But that was a long time ago. And I think if we look at a timeline of interest in Bigfoot as a phenomenon, this would sort of be around the time that it became really big in media really prominent in the news and in local folklore all over the South and the Northwest in particular. So I think it was, it's hard to know if it was a product of its time or if the Bigfoot phenomenon 
grew in response to the release of this movie. I think it did. Mm-hmm. Which we, we make fun of this film. We laughed at it a lot when we watched it. But cinematography wise, even the effects on the quote unquote monster in the movie, they're not terrible. Yeah. He does look a little like Rob Zombie at points in the in the film, though but, the beard swinging. <laughs> <laughs> His musical tastes aren't nearly as good. But when they show him, they keep him shadowed enough or the angle is good enough that it doesn't look like a zipper costume or a gorilla costume or an orangutan <laughs> costume or the things that you usually see in, in these movies about Bigfoot. Well, they made it very, very clear that he was not an orangutan because they ain't got three toes. <laughs> We've had this orangutan discussion already in relation to the skunk ape, which more than likely was an orangutan. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. I'm just trying to see if we can get Rob Zombie to uh, do a, a album for this movie. I just want Rob, Rob Zombie to cover the tr- Travis Crabtree song that's in the middle of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Travis Crabtree. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still trying to figure out why Travis Crabtree is the only character in the movie to get his own song. The skunk ape has his lamenting, I'm lonely. And stinky. Ballad. Yeah, he, he stinks. <laughs> They keep talking about his, it was a sour pig pen smell, to quote. (laughs) Really wet dog smell. (laughs) Oh, not the really wet dog. (laughs) Emphasis on the really. (laughs) He ain't no skunk ape. Skunk ape had a catchy song, though. I actually kept that one. (laughs) She listens to it every morning. I do. (laughs) In the pre-dawn hours, if you find yourself anywhere near Slater Road. Well, what's really interesting to me about the movie, well, there are a lot of things that are interesting about the movie, (laughs) but what's really interesting to me is that out of all the incarnations of Bigfoot across the country and the world, I mean, we talk about the Yeti in Asia, the one that got a movie made is the one in the smallest town with the least number of sightings, the Falk Monster. None of these other creatures got a movie up to this point, Harry and the Hendersons was in the 1990s. Was it the 90s? I'm almost positive it was the 90s. It that was John Lithgow. Was yeah, it was early 90s. It wasn't <laughs> an 80s movie. Yeah. I was little when I saw that. I love that movie. <clears throat> and and we were discussing this before we went live today. That That's probably the most prominent of all Bigfoot movies. If you ask people, name a movie with Bigfoot in it, it's Harry and the Hendersons, right? What else is there? People don't remember The Legend of Boggy Creek. I didn't remember it. We had to look it up when we started researching the Fout Monster and just discovered it. I still don't remember it. But there's like four sequels, right? There's a few. We didn't get that much into the research to go past the first film. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just admit that right now. Yeah, I feel like he's a very, um, what you see is what you get. And you ain't seen him a lot. So a lot of it comes from the movie rather than reported sightings. Yes, I can see that. Uh, even the, the the scenes in the movie were based on reported sightings, but then the sightings that were reported after that just sounded like things exactly out of the movie. We know how I feel about Bigfoot sightings and what I think they are, because I've said that they're people trying to hide things and they're trying to scare people off, like stills and, you know. Property disputes. That sort of thing. Make it haunted. People won't want it. Good old boy fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh god <laughs> we don't need to take that any further no <laughs> no it's like what are we reviewing next deliverance <laughs> that's a different kind of monster <laughs> that's that's outside the scope of the ain't no such thing mission statement i'll just true, put it that true. way 
Good movie, so, though. So let's let's break it down on this movie. On a scale of, oh hell, we'll just do Siskel and Ebert. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs down. I'm I'm gonna hold my my thumb midway. Well, I'm I'm undecided because there's visuals that I enjoy and there's a a charm to it. So you're gonna hold the Joaquin Phoenix exactly Phoenix side thumb. I was trying to was remember that, his that, damn that, name. That's not really Commodus. Yeah, <laughs> it vexes yes. me. Gosh. I'm terribly vexed. No, I actually. I did not dislike the experience of watching this movie, but I don't need to watch it again. Jess? Oh, it's down. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> I didn't even get through the movie. I'm not going to lie. Between, you know, dealing with watching the show and then my daughter, like, freaking out because it keeps eating the pets, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, let's let's be clear. Our seven-year-old claims she does not like this movie. When we put it back on to review it, she got a drink, hopped up into bed with us to watch it. And was like, oh, I hate this movie. And is watching it the entire time. I think she really That's liked it. That's how I it. felt too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think she secretly enjoys she it. She secretly but... enjoyed it. Uh, there are a couple of places. I don't know that he eats the pets, <laughs> but he crushed a cat. No, he didn't. He scared the cat to death. <clears throat> the cat was like, its guts were out. No, it wasn't. That was the dog. <laughs> oh, gracious. <laughs> <laughs> well, my old eyes saw something very different than yours when they showed that cat. It looked like a stuffed cat with the stuffing pulled out of it. Well, it was just a bad taxidermy job because, you know, they had to <laughs> they had to source some props from the town. That cat had a neurological disorder if it was scared literally to death and then flattened on the floor and guts poured out of its open wounds that were caused from fear. <laughs> oh, God. It doesn't help that our little black cat was laying there with us watching he it. He didn't too. care. My takeaway from this movie and my favorite thing about it has to do with our kid. And now she refers to the Bigfoot as the big toe and that she hates the big toe. So that just makes me smile. So I, I guess that would push me into a thumbs up that I get that kind of laugh out of her reaction to it. And that's because you introduced her to a children's horror story called the big toe. Yeah, but it's scarier than Bigfoot, but that's a good story. Jess, any takeaways from the movie? Um... Don't sit too close to windows and falc. <laughs> yeah. um, don't watch it at night because you'll fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a good cure for insomnia. Ooh. My takeaway is that in 1972, you could get funding for just about anything put to film and get distribution for it as well. <laughs> ah, the 70s. <laughs> After the movie... As you can imagine, sightings of the Falk monster increased exponentially. So this was 1972, and people were seeing the Falk monster everywhere up there because it got them into conversations with their neighbors. It got them attention. It got them notoriety if they had some evidence that there was an actual Bigfoot creature prowling around their homes in southern Arkansas. And as Amanda's pointed out, it allowed them to explain away a lot of mischief. They'd be like, yeah, I seen him. He came to the potluck and took all the macaroni. <laughs> But the, the sightings did die down within four years. And then as the Bigfoot phenomenon itself slowed down over the next few decades up until now. I mean, of course, there are still people looking for Bigfoot. We heard a story as recently as this week that we'll talk about in a few minutes. But as it slowed down in general, it definitely slowed down about the Falk monster. And the subsequent Boggy Creek sequels didn't seem to regenerate the interest that the original did for whatever reason. It was just so well done. You couldn't do any better. Yeah, really. It's like the original Star Wars film. It's like <laughs> No matter what you do with the sequels, 
people are still going to argue that that first one is the best. And this is the same. I think it's right up there with it. I like that you use for your example the movie with the greatest sequel ever. (laughs) (laughs) I was just trying to go for something in the same time range. (laughs) In the 70s. How about Jaws and Jaws 3D? Is that a better analogy? <laughs> oh, I think Jaws 2 was pretty good. I think Jaws kept people from getting in the water quite as much when it came out there. It was in 76, but Jaws 3D didn't, it just kept people out of the theaters. You're <laughs> savant. You just bring out these dates all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Jaws 3 in the, within the last year. Is that the one where he actually went to the woman's apartment on land and, and attacked her inside her land-based apartment? Land shark. <laughs> I'm pretty it was sure the origin of Sharknado. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he he followed the sheriff's wife into a small town and got in the canals and attacked her there. So, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. In all 3D. Need, all they needed was big jaws. <laughs> well, let's talk for a minute about the Falk monster and how it is different than the other Bigfoot creatures that we've talked about, like the skunk ape. And maybe even how it's different from the white thing, which is, who knows what that actually is, as we discussed. And from the Rougarou, which is a very focused type of legend. To me, the felt monster is like the loneliest Bigfoot. He's just really sad. He, he seems like the outcast Bigfoot that just wants to hang out in the town of Falk, go sit at the gas station with the old guys in the morning and drink a cup of coffee... And when he shows up, they just shoot him. Yep. <laughs> they hate him because he's hairy. They don't like her suit guys there. They want clean-shaven, you know, Christian boys <laughs> to come up and and eat, you know, biscuits at the gas station every morning and and talk about the town gossip. But that's not who the felt monster is, is it? No, but he loses me at the sour pig pen smell. <laughs> But maybe that's because they just won't hang out with him. Well, how's he supposed to shower? He doesn't own a home. He lives on a creek. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what was being dumped in that creek? Let's be honest about it. It was the 70s. It could have been run off from a nuclear power plant. and you, you never know. He really does just want to hang out with people. I mean, that's why he... <laughs> exactly. He's showing up to people's houses. He He doesn't attack anybody unless he's attacked, by the way. He can't help it if a nervous cat died on first glimpse. That's not his fault. He just tried to pet that kitty. And the, and the cat died. It, maybe it was a sour pig pen smell. Cats have very sensitive noses. Very. Aww. There's a scene in the movie where he just reaches his hand in the window, and you would have thought that he took an Uzi and sprayed bullets all through the house the way these people are. He just stuck his hand in there like, hey, guys. And they freaked out, got their guns, got their flashlights, had this big plan to deal with, and he just... And he walked away. He didn't do anything else. <laughs> Am I missing something? Nope. Poor thing. I love it. They called the constable who who said, there's a panther under the house. I'm going to leave my shotgun and all these shells with oh. you. I'll get it back tomorrow. We all know that constables have no real legal authority. True, true. <laughs> they just serve subpoenas and not a lot more. So why did they call him in the first damn place? I mean, this guy gets shot so many times. And these townsfolk brag about where they shoot him and how much he bled. And you know what happens? He goes into the woods, he heals up, and he comes back for more because he needs some company. Poor dude. Man. In 1991, there was a sighting of the Falk monster after all of this had died down. And somebody actually saw him jump off a bridge (laughs) outside the town of Falk. Oh, no. (laughs) 
God. I'm not sure there's been a sighting since. I could not find the evidence of a sighting since, but. Oh, he did? <laughs> if that's what took him out, it's it's on the, the back of every person that participated in this film, the back of every person in Falk that shot at this guy, that turned him away. It's on the back of that cat that died for no reason. <laughs> At the sight of him because of some prejudicial belief that that cat had about what that Falk monster might do. It's a, it's that this blood is on their hands. Seriously. Falk, y'all. <laughs> Hopefully it was a case of mistaken identity, but it seemed like a legitimate observation. And that's verifiable online. I'm not making that up as a joke. That really happened. Somebody claimed they saw the Falk monster jump off a bridge. <laughs> You sure it wasn't Rob Zombie? <laughs> <laughs> Rob Zombie is still around. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you they shot at him too. In that town, if Rob Zombie showed up, they would definitely shoot at him. <laughs> and by the way, Rob Zombie makes a much better horror movie than this guy did. So just if anyone's wondering. Well, rest in peace, Falk Monster. He's probably just sitting under the bridge. <laughs> this is a better spot to live. At least people drive over me. <laughs> Before we move on from the Falk Monster, I want to go back to something we had started with some of the other cryptids we worked on and rate them on our three-point scale of awesomeness so in terms of believability, threat level, and affection, how much we like that cryptid. We want to rate them all on those three. So, Amanda, scale of one to ten, believability for the Falk Monster. I think about a seven. Wow. Is it, the, is it the realistic take portrayed in the Legend of Boggy, <laughs> Boggy Creek that gave you that that high rating? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, um, it, the area. It's a strange area. We live in a strange area for it creatures looks similar and things, to, so. to the terrain that we live in. Yeah. yeah, so there could be something there. Threat level compared to other cryptids. He wanted to get in those people's house in that movie, so I'm going to say like a nine because, wow. he, yeah, he came busting Whoa. up in the house. He made that dude run through his own door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the opening in that door was shaped like a man, like Shaggy on Scooby-Doo just ran through a wall or something. Goodness. <laughs> but he did kill a cat just with fear, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> and affection. How much do you like the Falk monster relative to the other creatures that we've talked about? He killed that cat, and he ripped the hide off a dog. He stole two hogs. I'm going to put him at a two. I don't like him very much. Jess, believability. Oh, my gosh. I have, like, almost the opposite with her. <laughs> <laughs> so, believability, I would say seven or eight. And the only reason I say that is because, again, I, I think people are are putting their imagination on this person. I do think there's hairy people that are walking around. <laughs> 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 kind of like the Unabomber and everything like that. There are a lot of people out there. <laughs> so I, but I do believe it. Yeah. Threat level. I don't think he's much of a threat. I really don't. I would give him a three or a four. Cause I really think it's just this guy who, you know, wants to hang out. <laughs> Affection. How much do you like him? I like him so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and maybe it's because I am going back to Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> but I just, I just want to go sit by a fire. We'll hang out. We'll tell stories and, you know, go our separate ways. Harry and the Hendersons is what would have happened if the Falk monster got to somebody's house. And they're like, dude, we're barbecuing. Get in here. Yes. Get in here. And they gave him a big hug. That's what would happen. Yes. 
Absolutely. I'm, I worry about him with affection, though, because he, he does seem like, you know, an of mice and men thing could happen here. And he's just trying to pet your hair and then he snaps your neck. <laughs> I didn't say you need to make physical contact. Yeah, said, how much do you like him as a creature? <laughs> Why well, do you think he was reaching in the window trying to touch people's hair? I don't know that he was trying to touch anybody's hair. Just, just saying, guys, I'm here. I think he was waving. Is, is he hauling? I'm here. <laughs> just want to watch some, listen to some George Jones and, and drink some Jack Daniels or whatever. Conway Twitty. <laughs> so for me, believability. The movie made me believe less in this creature. So <laughs> I'm going to go with a three <laughs> on believability. On threat level, he didn't fight anything. He hurt one guy in retaliation. He ran every time they attacked him. He was not ferocious. Dogs and cats were scared of him. But I'm just going with the smell on that one because they're very sensitive to smell. And I'm going to say threat level about a one. He's just wandering around. Affection, I'm a sucker for an underdog. This guy's a total <laughs> underdog, a really, really wet underdog. Oh. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to go affection level eight. All right. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I just felt bad for him. I felt like somebody needs to give this guy a chance. Get John Lithgow on the phone, get this Harry and the Henderson things going, and get this guy a bath and some Jack Link's beef jerky, and let's make somebody happy. Get him some some Old Spice or something. You know, you got to clean him. Irish Spring, Irish Spring will make this guy smell like a million bucks. And I'll braid his hair, and we'll be happy. Oh, then you're talking about a spot on Broadway. Wow. If there hasn't been a Harry and the Hendersons musical, there needs to be. If musicals are ever a thing again. Starring Kevin Laporte. No, not starring me. <laughs> I can neither sing nor dance. I want to talk for a few minutes before we close on the Bigfoot phenomenon in general. Why it's so universal. And we've talked it to death, I suppose, over the, the series that we've had about the southern hairy cryptids that's focused on Bigfoot-type monsters a few different times. Why are there Sasquatch sightings in Washington, why are there why is there a Yeti legend in the Himalayas and in Asia and all these pervasive variations on that legend all over the United States? What is it that makes this legend so much more pervasive than others? I think the idea of a wild animal that looks like a person coming at you is is kind of a universal scare factor there. So you're talking about like something in the collective unconsciousness that everybody sort of keys on as a nightmare figure. Right. Yeah. It's got that uncanny valley thing going on a little bit. I don't disagree. Go back again um, to the 1970s and at the mall, the mall that's still there in Mobile, they had a showing of what they called the missing link. And it was a creature in ice, quote unquote creature, (laughs) In ice, and when you walked in the entrance to the mall, they had this shack set up in the middle of the mall. And if you paid $5 or whatever, which was a lot in the mid-70s, you could walk into this little display and see a frozen Bigfoot-looking creature in a block of ice. Wow. Now, even at that young age, I realized that it was some sort of fakery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that it was a, a bait and switch kind of thing where you go in there expecting one thing and you got this and you've already paid your money. So you're screwed out of your money. You're not getting anything back. But that was just another example of how pervasive that sort of imagery was in the culture at that time. And we talked about Harry and the Hendersons being the most famous Bigfoot movie. But back in the 70s, there was a show called The Six Million Dollar Man about a guy 
who was in a car accident and they rebuilt him to be this cyborg at the time, a bionic man. And his most famous arch enemy was a Bigfoot, <laughs> a, a cybernetic Bigfoot played by wrestling legend Andre the Giant. How much was he? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> These days he would be more than $6 million. Yes, adjust for inflation. How much is the $6 million? Believe me, the wrestling fans I know would pay more than that to have Andre back. Absolutely. <laughs> so there was a... There, the cultural movement around the Bigfoot phenomenon in the seventies was crazy. And I, and I think you're right. It's probably based on that, that idea that there's some primitive man creature out there. And this was also on the heels of archeological paleontological finds of real missing links in our genetic history and our evolutionary history. So all that kind of played in together to make this more, more prominent in the culture, I suppose. I think there's also uh, something to there just being a lack of other explanations for some things that goes on. And you alluded to this, Amanda, that things happen. You got to blame it on something, right? Your cattle get killed. You don't want to blame it on your neighbor's big dogs because you don't want to go to court with them. It's a Bigfoot, right? <laughs> you know, uh, somebody broke in the house and stole all my stuff. I don't want to have my brother go to jail because he was coked out or drunk or whatever. It's a Bigfoot. <laughs> Well, I think too, you know, sometimes there's just people that have really good imaginations. They see something and then they tell everybody else and boom. Kind of like know. telephone. Exactly. And next thing you know, it wasn't this guy that was kind of hairy. Now it's like this humongous creature. It's <laughs> really hairy and he stinks and he's going around doing funky things. <laughs> yeah. Hide your kids, hide your wife. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Rob Zombie that broke in my house. It was Bigfoot. <laughs> And then, of course, there's a group of people that just pursue this and insist on it being real for attention because mm -hmm. it gets them in front of the media, gets them notoriety among their friends, gives them the stories to tell at the gas station or these days on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, make your, you know, make your choice. And then everyone clapped. That's correct. Well, speaking of in the news, apparently Oklahoma may soon have an official Bigfoot hunting season. And this is not something that came up in the 80s or 70s. This came up last week. In our local news. We're, <laughs> we're not in Oklahoma. <laughs> so from what I understand, it's supposed to be Bigfoot sighting, right? They're not going to go try to kill Bigfoot. They're going to trap Bigfoot. But, you know, <laughs> I feel sorry for any big guys that hang out in Oklahoma, <laughs> you know, like they're like their Sherpa jackets and stuff because they're going to get netted. Well, there's a $25,000 prize if you catch them. Hmm. This is for real, guys. This is an Oklahoma representative who introduced a new bill to the state legislature in an attempt to open for licensing for Bigfoot hunting season. This is your government at work. <laughs> Man, I don't live in Oklahoma. <laughs> but our friend Tommy Brownell, who does live in Oklahoma, said... In response to our posting of this in our in our Facebook group, we just like to shoot stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, some big guy's gonna die, um, and I'm putting money on it. There will be a big guy who turns himself in as to, to claim the reward. Yes, to claim it. I hope he gets it too. That's innovative. <laughs> I think we've investigated the Bigfoot phenomenon as much as we can. <laughs> We're not going to go out trying to trap Bigfoot to collect the $25,000 reward. All I found was a movie. I mean, I would hang out with him. I wouldn't. He stinks. <laughs> I 
I just give that man a hug. <laughs> Jess and I are, are planning a trip down to, through Florida, maybe down to the Keys for later in the year. And I thought we would pass right by the Skunk, Skunk Ape Research Institute mm. if we go that way. And we could stop in and visit that place. And just like take... we were going to stop at the Bigfoot one when we <laughs> went to Georgia and we forgot. We drove right by it on the way home and forgot. Fail. <laughs> But we will pass right by that place, so that's something to think about. And we will report back if and when we do that. Are they going to try to make that realistic and have it smell like when you walk in? I would guess it smells that way anyway. Great. <laughs> you might need to watch out. You you may have made some comments about Bigfoot or the skunk ape that he might not like, so he might be looking to kick your ass <laughs> when you go there. Well, then that'll get, get us more attention for the podcast. Hell I'll take it. yeah. That's better than the 25000 <laughs> Wait, That's no, correct. it's not. I'm going to bring my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next? Now that we're done with Bigfoot, uh, we're going to continue with cryptids, at least for one more episode. We discovered a creature called the Pope Lick Monster. And no. I don't think he licks popes. That's what I was thinking. I don't think the Pope licked him. <laughs> I can't I can't prove that. Which one? But it's a goat man that lives under a bridge, the Pope Lick Bridge, near or in Louisville, Kentucky. That wasn't the bridge that the Falk Monster threw himself off of, was it? He was in Arkansas, the goat man is oh, okay. in. <laughs> but they could be friends. If hey, if they're both living under bridges, they might already be in some Facebook group <laughs> commiserating. <laughs> Harry cryptids under bridges. <laughs> oh, the Tinder profiles. Oh, or grinder. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so that'll be the cryptid that we talk about next time in two or three weeks. We'll come back and talk about the Pope Lick monster. And we'll be engaging with our fans, our listeners in our Facebook group to determine what do you want to hear about next after we finish with the cryptids? Do we want to go to ghosts? that might be what we do next but look for a survey on the facebook page in the next couple of weeks that's facebook.com slash groups slash ain't no such thing with no apostrophe well that's all we got about the falc monster so looks like our next episode is going to be a story episode so it should be a whole lot of fun and then we'll get back to the next legend that we talked about the pope lick monster that that's going to be difficult for me to say pope lick Monster. You can't just call him the goat man. He goes by either. I think the goat man's probably a little bit better. <laughs> it's not nearly as interesting. <laughs> Who named him Pope Lick Monster? Who did that? Lick. That sounds like something on a on a menu at the Roadkill Cafe. No comment. Anywho, <laughs> we're glad that you came back to visit with us again. And we look forward to the next time. So, Kevin, Jess, let's say bye. Bye. See you guys. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Ain't No Such Thing, where we tell original Southern horror stories and we talk about the legends and cryptids that you may already know. If you enjoyed this and would like to hear more of our content, you can find us wherever you get your podcast and join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash ain't no such thing. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening again, and we'll be back with another one for you real soon. <laughs>